Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 256 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero with Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel, which is where you are watching me live right now. Uh, This week on the show, we are going to be joined by Jim Boone of KO Tickets, the best ticket broker in the business. And we're going to talk about, uh, he worked a show last weekend in Miami, and he's working a couple of shows coming up. And of course, we'll be working Canelo Saunders uh, May 8, and we'll talk more about that fight later in the show. But I just want to talk to him about uh, the way the pandemic and everything has affected his business, what's changed, what to expect. And uh, just going forward, you know, he's one of the best guys that always advises me on when to buy tickets, because I think a lot of you guys get duped by when you have these really big fights in Vegas and suddenly uh, they have this big, you know, premiere of the ticket sales, right? Some of you guys get duped there because sometimes it's best to wait a few weeks, sometimes a month, depending on how long the promotion is. There's a sweet spot of time when to buy. And Jim is an expert at picking when to buy tickets, when you can get a discount. He's just a master at that. He's been to every venue out there. He knows the best seats in the house. So let's bring him on and talk to him real quick, guys. This is TNC 256 for the week of March 6th. And if you haven't checked out the most recent issue of Ring Magazine, make sure you do the Ali Frazier special. You guys got to check that out. Awesome artwork there, of course. And then right there on the back, none other than KO Tickets, Mr. Jim Boone. That's the number to call. That's the Las Vegas office. There's his cell. He's available on the phone 24-7. Make sure you give him a ring. So let's bring him up here on the chat. We'll talk to him live. Hope you guys are reading us loud and clear. Mr. Jim Boone, how you doing, sir? Good, Mike. How you doing, buddy? Thanks for having me on. Good, man. Thanks for being on. Um, let's get right into it, man. Let's talk about the Canelo Yodiram show. Uh, you know, for me, I, I know you've worked several events post-pandemic. This was the first event I've worked post-pandemic. So it was kind of awkward, you know, going to a Canelo fight and, and not hearing tens of thousands of fans not having that like fan fiesta thing all week long, which is what you're used to getting, right? I was COVID tested. They kept me in a bubble. I, I was chaperoned everywhere I went. But how did you do on the show overall? What did you think? It, it, it went really, really good. I mean, with everything going on, we certainly have to, you know, kind of take baby steps to get back into everything. But the show was a success. They scaled it for, I believe, 15,000 people. And that was pretty much, you know, they sold all the tickets. It's uh, it's certainly different, like you mentioned, as far as, you know, the fight camps, the, the media, everybody's put in the bubble. So it's not like the good times like going out, you know, after work and partying, doing all that yeah. stuff. So got to focus on work and um, we'll just kind of get back into it. I'm glad that, you know, both Florida and uh, the state of Texas have a lot of fights to start. So it's, it's a good start. And hopefully sooner than later, we're back to back to normal times. Yeah, you mentioned Florida and Texas. Uh, I've talked to several promoters and know that they're bringing several shows to Florida throughout the year. And it's the same thing with Texas. Those two markets are really going to have a good 2021. I think that there's real opportunities there to bring shows. But as far as, you know, for, for you in your business, how has this pandemic changed things? I mean, how did the ticket sales work? Let's just stick with Canelo Yodiram. Um, normally you could kind of hang out around the venue and that's where you do a lot of your work. Right. But I know, uh, the, where is hard rock stadium? I think it's in Hawaii or Hawaii, Miami gardens. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, and you were downtown for, for most of your, your trip down there, right? Because you couldn't hang out around the venue. Uh, what kind of differences would you say, the, the biggest differences for you and your business uh, well, since the, case, the pandemic? In the case of this with this show and, and a lot mm-hmm. of the shows now, the tickets are all electronic delivery. So okay. the delivery is instantaneous. You buy the seat and basically it transfers onto the client's phone and your phone becomes a ticket. And that was pretty much most of the seats for this show. So as far as, you know, meeting people and the normal stuff that we do, that's not necessarily the pandemic. That's just technology moving forward. It's becoming more and more electronic transfers, which is good for convenience. But, you know, I'm like kind of a hands-on guy. I like to meet people, talk to people. So you kind of lose that aspect of the business. But, you know, it it is convenient. And in a case of a show like this in Miami, which is such a huge area and is so spread out, it actually makes it a lot easier. You know, people would text me, call me, hey, we need four tickets. Not a problem. I can shoot them the tickets. It's on their phone five minutes later, and uh, they can go to the show. So it, it works out real good. It's um, it's just kind of the new normal, and that's, you know, even before the pandemic, we were seeing more of the electronic transfer. As far as with the pandemic, I mean, it's, like you mentioned, it's pretty much shut down right now to uh, Texas and Florida. And, um, you know, the first fight I worked was the Errol Spence fight, which was I was down in Texas for the rodeo, which was, you know, been in Vegas for 40 years. So we lost the rodeo. Texas picked it up. And to be honest with you, I was half excited about going. And then about two months after the rodeo was set in Texas, they announced the Errol Spence fight. So I was like, perfect. Spence is fighting. Right. I love going to that. You know, it's a huge stadium. Jerry's World will see a fight. But just the place is so unbelievable. Just going down there. It, it, it was real special. It's a work of art, man. I was it, there with Spence Garcia, the first Garcia. And it, it's just that place is amazing. Like just walking around which is something I didn't get to do at Hard Rock Stadium that much. Yeah. But, um, you know, you mentioned Vegas losing cards, and that's got to be affecting your business because the ticket sale, the, the price of the tickets is higher in Vegas. So how has that affected your bottom line? And when do you think they're going to start going back to Vegas with the big fights? Because they can't go with that 25% capacity there, right? They need 100% capacity. I mean, they could do it at reduced capacity. I really don't know what the plan of the governor is. Um, it's been kind of a tale of two cities with him where you open the casinos and, you know, they're open for business, but, you know, local bars couldn't be open. Right. And then you can't have an arena open, which I don't understand. I have a deal with uh, the, the football team, UNLV, not the Raiders, but they share the stadium. And um, they were going to do the first game there at limited capacity. The stadium holds 80,000 people. They say we can, you know, have 8,000 in, which to me is, is realistic, you know, based on where we were in the pandemic. And then they change it to 1,500. And it's just, it was so ridiculous. I mean, the stadium is, is phenomenal, and I can't wait till we have big fights there. But you want to talk about killing the vibe of a place. I don't care how fun it is. 1,500 people in the 80,000-seat arena, it just... there's it's like a, a library. Exactly. It just, it, it kills the momentum. It kills the vibe, especially it was such a soft opening. It really didn't make sense. So as far as Vegas moving forward, I know uh, Top Rank and Aram said they're done with the bubble. And, you know, the rumor is, and I don't know certain that they're going to go to MGM and do limited capacity as far as the shows they're going to do in, starting in May with uh, Ramirez versus Taylor, I believe. But um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, you got the promoters are in a real tough spot. And I think sometimes in the boxing public, you know, people think it's a real easy job. It's almost an impossible job. And the guys that make, you know, the fights happen, like like you were just involved in, 
being stuck in the bubble and everything else, it hasn't been easy, but it seems that we're kind of turning the corner and we're going to start getting back to, to normal, hopefully sooner. As yeah, far as business, we were, I was shut down. I mean, I went right. from, you know, we were lucky enough in, 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 you know, before everything hit, the Super Bowl was huge in Miami, go figure. And then right. um, the Fury Wilder fight was, you want to talk about one of the greatest promotions between, you know, Premier Boxing and Top Rank. Right. And my goodness, if promoters can work together like that. It was funny. We were at, we did a party um, at uh, the W downtown Miami for the Super Bowl. And we're getting, you know, snuckered up, having a good time with a bunch of my buddies. And, you know, listen, we, I made a lot of money in the Super Bowl. We're, we're partying, we're drinking, and I got a big table in front. Right. And they show the commercial for the fight. I'm like, on the, I'm on the table dancing. They're like going to kick me out. I mean, it was so exciting to see boxing. I mean, three Super Bowl commercials. I mean, that's like 100 yeah, man. million people in America, much less worldwide, are watching it. And, and the ripple effect on that market was huge. So we got that big event in. We did a fight down in Texas, uh, the Garcia um, Vargas fight, and then that was it. Everything canceled. Right. So it was funny. We went out to dinner, and you know, I went out with my buddy the next day in Texas, and then man, everything changed completely. So basically, you know, we just shut everything down. There was nothing to do, and like I mentioned earlier, the rodeo got moved to Texas. I, I planned to go work that, and then luckily the Spence fight got announced, and you know, we're back to business. So. Yeah, you go where you go where the action is, right? And right now, it's in the the south and in the southeast. Uh, I think here in Georgia and Atlanta, there there are opportunities, and I think they're bringing some shows here. I know that one YouTuber fight is supposed to be coming here, and uh, it sounds crazy, but they're supposed to be adding some real boxing on the undercard. Or I can't say too much; it's not official yet, so I'm just gonna shut up. But you know what? It's good. And I'll say one point about that. And I know when they did the first one, it was the matchroom show in uh, Los Angeles. Right. Right. Um, first of all, I've been in a lot of fights. The pre-party at that was something I've never seen before. And it, it was definitely very fun. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine. So, I'm, yeah, I'm sad. I missed it. Cause the parties were better than the damn fights. That That's for sure. But that's LA though. But yeah. you know, again, you're, People are so critical, but if it's going to support a card and it's going to bring viewers out of the sport and it's going to bring young viewers out of the sport, as I said, after that fight, that was the first time. And I worked fights in LA for, I mean, I first worked De La Hoya, Mosley, and one was at 99 or 2000. I worked pretty much all the time. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the first one I worked in LA, but I mean, it's, you don't see kids ever going to a fight, you know, here and there, you got it. But this was, you know, a father bringing, you know, six guys, you know, six kids, you know, 14, 15 years old. Right. He was so young, and you know the Paul brothers like him, hate him. It, it, to me, it's amazing they didn't go in like UFC and MMA since they had wrestling backgrounds. So by yeah. going boxing and bringing new eyeballs on the sport, is it probably going to be a flash in a pan? Yeah, they fight somebody real. They're going to learn. They're going to realize it's a very difficult sport. Right. Let's, 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 let's be honest. So, but in the meantime, if it brings money to the sport, brings new viewers in, I think it's a positive thing. So. Yeah, that was a great point you brought up, though, about uh, them not going into UFC. Most American kids, and I- I'm just going to put it out there, most Caucasian American kids, they're going to go to UFC before into boxing, let's be honest, you know, yeah. unless they come from an immigrant uh, background, you know. Um, so so that that's a good point that, you know, they're bringing some youth uh, eyes to boxing. Um, I was going to ask, you know, it, do you see more of that happening with the YouTuber stuff and Triller? Let's bring Triller into this. I'm sure you saw the purse bid. All the purse <laughs> bid bros on Twitter were losing their fucking minds. 
What do you think about all that? Do you think we're going to see more of this kind of craziness with well, these let, apps? Let's see how they do on the on the, right. on the show. I mean, if they make money on it, you know, we'll, we'll see how they go moving forward. It's a little disappointing that you know what could have been a positive thing. The negativity between fighters and managers and promoters. It's gotten just to the point where it's getting a little bit too much. And I'm not going to specifically comment on that situation because I'm friends with all parties involved. Right. But, you know, whatever's going to happen, people got to get along as far as the contracts they have. And, and you know, with the fighters, there's nothing worse than disagreements that keep them from getting in the ring. And unfortunately, it seems more and more, even when things are good, this money talk and this A-side talk, all it seems to me is excuses not to fight. And the fact of the matter is a fighter only gets paid when they fight. If you look at a guy Very like Gennady true. Golovkin, you know, with what he built himself, Gennady Golovkin could have gone through and done what he did, but because he was willing to negotiate, you know, HBO could afford to pay him to fight three times a year. If he wanted to hammer him every fight and just make it so difficult, he never would have gotten the momentum he had because, you know, if you're not fighting, you're out of sight, out of mind. That's just, that's just the reality of all sports and life in general. So it's, you know, as far as that purse bid and, and the huge money, you know, congratulations for them. And, but let's hope it doesn't slow things down. Let's hope he has a fight and then he's right back to it. So, and, and, and I think that's going to happen. I think, I think cooler heads will certainly prevail. In I that. think so too. Yeah. I, I think, well, first of all, Captain Hook Chronicles on the chat says uh, June 2000. So you were right. I, I was wrong. I said 99. So, <laughs> so you were right on that one, Jim. Thanks, Captain Hook Chronicles. That's why I love going live, man, because every time I fuck up, these guys correct me. <laughs> and it's usually a few times every show. Uh, but what was I going to say, man? Um, you, you mentioned Gennady Golovkin. You know, a, a lot of people just don't realize he fought three, four times a year for a few year, years there. And he had a piece of a title, I think a piece of the WBA title. He could have pulled kind of what we're seeing Devin Haney do right now and some of these younger guys saying, I want more money, this, that, the other. He got busy. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because Canelo Alvarez, he might be fighting four times this year. That's what he wants to do. At least two of the opponents are probably going to be Avni Yildirim level fighters and probably not the big, big fights at, in Vegas or anything. But what do you think, man? If he fights four times this year and a couple of them are against the Billy Joe Saunders, maybe in Vegas, that's got to be healthy for the sport and healthy for your business, right? Absolutely. I love it. You know, it's been, you know, documented over, you know, with him, you know, fighting like, you know, lower, lower, lower grade, uh, lower uh, tier tone uh, opponent, excuse me, right. you know, last, last, last Saturday. But as far as I've read, and I don't know, you know, specifically, he took basically a two-fight deal to do it. Said, okay, DeZone's going to pay him less for this one with a guarantee that he's going to do the Billy Joe Saunders, which will do big business. So listen, Canelo didn't waste six weeks, eight weeks negotiating it. They got the deal done. He got back in the gym. And again, he only gets paid when he fights. And if you want to be a star athlete and you want to build yourself, fighting once, twice a year is not the way to do it. And unfortunately, these guys have, right. you know, it's just, it's a, it's a short-sighted attitude. You know, if I look at, you know, in my career, you know, coming up in the sport, you know, what they put on those fights in, in, in you know, the early 2000s, mid 2000s, Manny Pacquiao, did we hear money complaints with Manny back and forth constantly? No. And he was just going through murder's row of these great yeah. Mexican fighters, fight after fight after fight. And when, you know, Floyd got to the position he was at, where he only fought twice a year, but it was consistent. So we knew Cinco de right. Mayo, Independence, Floyd's going to have a big fight. 
and his consistency. But you got to build a little bit to get to that. You can't start your career when outside of the boxing circle, like these, you know, the four kings, for example, that I find ridiculous. That's even a term used for the four guys that like right now. It's outrageous, in my opinion. Great fighters, but the whole point was fighting each other, which they haven't done yet. But nobody knows who these guys are outside of maybe social media and everything else. They're not stars. Are they good fighters? Yeah, they all got great talent. And they all have great careers only if they start fighting. And, and, and there's absolutely no reason to wait. And they're all making so much money anyway, you know, compared to what yeah. fighters were even 10, 15 years ago. The market has been pushed up so much that these guys got to realize that they got to get in the ring. I mean, that's the only way they're going to get better. And you got to build yourself. You can't just fight twice a year, have a name, and then not really have a big fight, and then think you're going to be a pay-per-view fighter or have these pie-in-the-sky dreams. It's not how it works. And it's just the talk is getting too much. It's almost becoming like just you listen to this stuff, people arguing. And it's like, just get in the ring. Get an opponent, get in the ring, and win and look great. And, and ultimately, that's how you're going to build your fan base and, and build your, uh, your, your, your position in the sport. Yeah, what's funny is to see boxing fans on Twitter, particularly younger fans who don't have that historical reference to to understand what it was like just 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. Uh, the the pay-per-views were doing so much better because boxing was still like the only show in town and it was HBO and Showtime. Now you have all these streaming platforms and everything else. But man, they'll argue on behalf of, let, let's, let's face it, Devin Haney, he has all the potential in the world. I think he's going to be a multi-division champion. I think he's going to be on the pound for pound list in a few years, but right now he's a glorified prospect with a belt, but because he has that belt, he's, he's demanding seven figures a fight. When you're making seven figures a fight, you can't fight four or five times a year because your promoter is losing their ass every time. And these guys won't take short money. So it's this double-edged sword in, you know, talking about the fight last weekend in Miami, I saw a lot of people trolling it all over social media, which I understand. It was a complete, these two guys were not in the same level. Yul Durham and Canelo completely. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even a sparring session. <laughs> right. I, I could have probably lasted a round or two longer than Yul Durham. I don't know. Maybe not, but still <laughs> maybe. Okay. So I get that. But as you said, it was part of the deal with the Saunders fight. They announced the Saunders fight right there. Canelo stays busy. The business of boxing stays busy. They build up a brand in a different market in Miami where Canelo had fought once as a prospect yep. a long time ago when he was working with that promoter out there in Florida. I can't even remember who the hell it was. Yeah, right. Okay. So I'll that start. goes back long before he was on anyone's radar, right? Yep, yep. So. So you accomplish all that, and then you build into the Saunders fight, which let's talk about that. Um, you have, obviously, you have uh, good relationships with all the promoters and everybody involved with, with commission folks. Uh, what have you heard about? Have you heard anything about where I, I, this is going to go? I've heard just rumors. Okay. You know, I, I, you know, I Vegas is always good for me. I've had an office in Vegas for over 20 years. I got great deals with the casinos as far as supplying off-site properties with the tickets for their high rollers. It's a very big part of my business. I just don't know if the city's ready yet. I mean, I don't know what the governor, if, if a promoter can make a commitment with a governor that might not, you know, the cost the promoter has to put in to do a show. And it doesn't matter who the promoter is. They have a hard cost into it. And if the back of their mind, they might get pulled where they say, oh, you know what? We can only do 10% capacity now because the numbers went up. You know, that, that, that puts them in a very, very difficult spot. I mean, what do you start doing? Right. Take, you know, tickets back from people you sold to. So 
I don't know what they're going to do. We know, like I said, we know Florida and Texas is open for business. I personally would like, and I think it's a real shot that they do the fight back in Miami. It seems to me that maybe this is like kind of like the test, the test running, you know, the tester, you know, the crash course in, 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 you know, fights in Miami, you know, for some reason in America, there is this, whatever people keep saying that, you know, Miami is a bad fight market. There hasn't been any big fights in Miami. That doesn't make it a bad market. Now, right. is local sports in Miami big? No, we know that the Marlins do not draw good at all. The I believe it's the Hurricanes are terrible. I remember they went to the Stanley Cup years ago. They couldn't even, like, sell half the building. But oh, yeah. to a big event, a big event, Miami is a prime time city. You put a big show there. Trust me, everybody's going to go, just like Vegas. You think Vegas has a good local market? Terrible. Nothing goes on. It's all based on tourism. So the right. argument against Miami doesn't make sense. When I was in uh, um, there last week and I had a conversation with uh, Walter uh, uh, Walter Alvarez, and he's the one that promoted Arguello prior back in 82, and I was asking about it, and, you know, what's going on, what happened, and you know, he put it to me very simply. He um, did the um, Hearns-Hagler fight with um, – uh, with uh, uh, Aram, and that fight was going to go to Miami. That's where it was going to go. They were set. Everything was going to go. And then Caesar's Palace came to Aram and made him a monster contract offer as far as a guarantee. And then that, that switched all it. I mean, Vegas started getting all the fights after that. So Miami kind of got left in, you know, in, in, in the back. I mean, since then, I know um, Banner did the uh, Freitas Barrios fight in, uh, I don't know, 2002, 2003, which for, for the guys listening to the show, if you haven't watched that fight, Freitas Barrios, you got to watch that. It's one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. The 10th round, there is, it's probably the greatest knockdown, not knockout, knockdown at the bell. I think mm-hmm. Ernstine's got the call and he's like, freight train right hook by. by yeah. <laughs> so it, it, you got to watch the fight if you haven't seen it before. I know it's on YouTube and all, all the stuff, but so, you know, back to the point of Miami, it hasn't really been given the opportunity. So again, if Canelo fights her last week, they do good, they like it. And they put the Billy Joe Saunders fight there. I mean, can you imagine the Brits? It's going to be a shit show. Like, um, I mean, they've been locked. That's a good up. point. They can't go out. There is a, I mean, the international like uh, wing at the Miami airport. It's bigger than the domestic. It's all international flights coming in. I noticed that. Yeah, the the, the domestic airport there is tiny. I was surprised at how small the airport is it's in Miami. International side, it's all international class. I mean, if they want to come yeah. in from London, they got direct flight, direct flight. I mean, if I'm in the UK right now and there's so many great fans, so many huge boxing fans, I got a ton of great clients. I'm thinking I can go to Miami. It's only a five-hour flight. I can go down to the beach, go fishing, make it a weekend. You put a fight like that in Miami, and I want to hear another person, another reporter, another person in the business say that Miami is not a good fight, Tom, because you will see an explosive scene that is going to be a lot of fun, and it, it, it will deliver. The city will deliver. People want to go down there. There's a million hotels, million restaurants. Easy to get there, cheap to get there. It's got a great opportunity. So, again, I don't know what the plans are as far as May 8th. But if it's back in Miami, I'm not complaining. I mean, it's I'm in Green Bay right now. It's 20 degrees. So, <laughs> 80, 80, 80 degrees last, I, didn't get any, I didn't get a tan. I was in my hotel room working the whole time. But um, 80, me too. Yeah, me too. 80 wasn't bad. So, I, I can't complain. Yeah, man. You, you know what? I hadn't even thought about that. But you're right. They could have been sampling the market there at the same venue. Because they can't go to the baseball stadium because in May, baseball's back. But you could go right back to the Hard Rock Stadium, which is a nice venue. I don't particularly love that area, 
but no. it's a nice, it's a nice venue. Um, but man, that's a really good point because I know a lot of British fans would love to get the hell out of the UK and go to Miami, Miami. where it's going to be warm. <laughs> yeah. Everybody likes to go to Miami anyway. I mean, yeah. I got and good for friends. me, shit, it's a 90 minute flight from here or something like that. So I would definitely get that assignment for ring. So sign me up <laughs> if they go to Miami, but I haven't heard anything I, I've asked around I've, and I can't get an answer from anybody. So I think, I don't think they know yet, to be honest with you, Jim. It, I think possible. they're still figuring it out. It, it's listen, these, and, and again, it's sometimes, you know, and it's just people talking on social media and stuff. People think this business is easy with these guys. Mm. Trying to book these arenas, knowing what's going on, it's already complicated. And then you start throwing in governors of states, change sliding scales. I mean, even in Texas, which has been completely open and been very helpful for everybody involved, you know, doing shows. They do have a scale in, in, in Dallas County, whatever the county is, where they can they can certainly start killing the um the number of people you can sell tickets to. I mean, if you're a promoter, can you imagine selling twenty thousand seats, say, at Cowboy Stadium, and then they tell you, oh, we got to reduce capacity? I mean, what right. do you how do you start refunding people? I mean, you're talking about a mess, so it's it's a um, mess that costs you a lot of money. It's just so. it, it, it's a nightmare dealing with refunds is, is something that's not fun. I mean the whole COVID situation with the refunds, my situation with business was very, very, because of the way I do things, it was very easy. You know, I was owed money from some casinos because of the, you know, Fury Wilder fight. And I was owed for some uh, four fights to cancel. And, you know, people say boxing promoters and the boxing business is dirty. I got paid all the money that was owed me immediately. Baseball didn't pay people with their make-believe. Oh, it's not canceled. Right. It's postponed. You know, Ticketmaster, StubHub, everybody involved started the bullshit, which was complete fraud. Oh, it's not canceled. What do you mean it's not canceled? I paid to go to the show this day. It's not going to happen. Oh, no, it's going to be next year. When? Well, we don't know yet. So they didn't get people's money back. It was, You know, it's been a big mess. So I think that's a great point. Promoters don't want to have to get involved in more monkey business like that. They want to yeah. know that the city's open to do business and they're not going to hear at the 11th hour that, you know, well, things have changed. So we got it. We got to slow things down. So. It's it, 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 it again. It's a difficult situation from the governor on down on down to the, the you know the promoters. And how about the fighters? How about you know Joe Smith trains as a full camp gets there. I was so excited for that. You know I know Me too. I'm very good friends with uh, Joe DeGuardia, his promoter. He's a really good buddy of mine. I'm like just can't wait to see that fight. And then the opponent, uh, what's his name, test positive. Blast off. Yeah, it's like goodness right before the damn fight too yeah, I mean, and i like, know joe and his family i think they had a, a wedding set up they had a schedule of this whole thing they were going to do and yeah. now that's oof, in an I, instant you don't, you don't fight you, you don't get paid yeah no, it, <laughs> it's a trickle down effect real quick because it's not just the fighter it's their whole team it really it hurts the sport it really does have a trickle down effect because it hurts uh the promoter and everybody else and as you've said out of sight out of mind these fighters got to be active yeah. man uh, uh, J&M with the Super Chat Pledge. Thank you so much, J&M. He says, uh, howdy, Mike. Your thoughts on the Canelo versus BGS fight in May? And perhaps, uh, how do you see the fight unfolding? Thanks, buddy. Well, thank you again for the Super Chat. As far as I see that fight, I, I want to get your thoughts too, Jim, because uh, you've covered a lot of Canelo shows. Um, I've covered at least 10 of them. I've been around. Yeah. So I've seen him improve vastly. And I, a lot of people are talking about uh, Canelo doesn't do well with movers. Um, they 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 bring back the Irislandi Lara fight, which I was there ringside for that one. I thought Canelo edged that fight in the championship rounds. I thought Lara was up going into maybe the ninth, tenth round, and then he just gave the fight away. Yeah, he 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 started he started backing up the whole time. 
Yeah, and Canelo worked the body enough, and he pulled it out to me. It was close. But I think Canelo has improved so much since then. I, I see an eight rounds to four kind of fight for Canelo against Saunders. What do you see? I, I think I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, Saunders certainly – I think Saunders at his best could be a great fighter. I'm not sure we've seen him at his best because I don't know if he's serious about training. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're fighting Canelo, you got to train. So if he puts in a real camp and, and is really focused and has a good game plan – We'll see. I mean, I think Canelo's the best fighter in the world today, so I think he wins. And I, I think, I think it can be an exciting fight. I mean, Saunders is so crazy that it's going to be interesting, and certainly the promotion leading up to promotion. it is going to be hilarious. I mean, when that guy threw the chicken at Wilder, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Holy shit, I forgot about that one. In the restaurant, like runs out laughing. It's like, well, did you see the thing he posted? I think it was on. I don't know if it was on Instagram where he's wearing a like a robe and a, yeah, they, with a dick know. hanging out of it. <laughs> He did that this weekend. Oh my God. That dude's a character. Yeah. He said some stuff and done some stuff. I don't agree with, you know, that's a little classless, but he is a character. He's, he's the Irish traveler, Adrian Broner yep. in, in that way. Right. So, so he will make the promotion. He'll get under Canelo's skin. And I think that will make the fight better. Well, because, I think Canelo's going to want to finish him. And I think right, right. Canelo, you know, the thing I like about, he, he he doesn't he he goes to win you know what I mean and yeah you know it's one thing I don't know he, he's just such a great fighter I, I don't see anybody beating him right now maybe at 175 yeah it can get, it can get tricky but again let's if, the disadvantage these guys are going to have against him when he's fighting four times a year and these guys are arguing about money it's like the the the, the gap between what he's doing and where they want to be is just is so massive so I mean I yeah, literally that's a good point. I literally was just in San Antonio in December working his fight. And, and now he's already scheduled for his third fight in May. And it's like that. Three that's fights how, in six months. Yeah. That's how that shit does it. That's, that's out of the 1980s, man. And you know what? He's going to certainly have a, the data on Mexican independence. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way that if he wants to fight that, everybody's going to have to back it. You know, he'll crush any other show. So they're going to have to back away from that date. And if he does that, it's, it's, it's a good thing. He's a great, he's great for the sport. You know, some people don't like him. I don't know why. I mean, I got a funny story. It's um, it was back. It was right, literally five minutes after uh, Danny Jacobs got knocked out by Pirog. It's at Mandalay Bay, and there's like this crazy chaos in the venue. It's like people are jumping over chairs. I thought it was like a huge fight or something. So you know, just trying to figure out what it was, and it was Canelo had entered the building, and I, you know, I'd never seen him. That was the first time I ever saw him. And people are going nuts. I mean, he was so young and people are trying to get autographs. I mean, there's like literally Elvis has entered the building. Mm-hmm. So after that, his next fight was at Mandalay Bay. Uh, excuse me. He was at Staples Center and he fought Carlos Baldemir. And it was, oh, yeah. it was the undercard of Shane Mosley versus Sergio Mora. And I mean, I called, I did a deal with, with Staples Center. They thought I was either retarded or I'd had a stroke. Trying to buy these. They're like, and we'll give you free ones if you buy these. And if you buy these, we'll give you a price break. And I'm like, I'll take them all. And the walk up that day by the Mexican community in Los Angeles, I mean, I swear to God, the line was at the box was was like 800 deep. And I saw the box office manager and he's he's like, how'd you know? How'd you know? And I'm like, it's it's because they still thought at this time that it was because of what do you call it? Because it was Mora or Mosley. Right. I'm like, no, 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 it's the undercard. It's Canelo. Yeah. So that was before he was in Canelo. So when he comes out there chanting Canelo, I thought they were saying cannoli. 
So I'm talking to They're like, no, cannello. I'm like, cannello, it's cinnamon. I'm like, oh, okay. So, I wonder if Canelo's ever had a cannoli. I doubt it. Well, you never know. <laughs> he was he was in New York. Yeah, yeah, maybe he did. So long story short, they um he finishes the fight and literally the main event was the walkout bout. Everybody got up and left. It was, it yeah. was something else. So he's great for the sport. He's always in the gym, you know, and um I, I see his star. He's, I think he's just gonna keep getting bigger, especially with the activity rate. If if he can accomplish you know, if he really does three more fights this year, I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. But even if he fights twice more this year, yeah. that will be four fights within a, within a calendar year. No other stars done that since Oscar De La Hoya. You're going yeah. back well over a decade, uh, almost 20 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and Ceylon uh, in the chat says, Billy Joe Saunders is Roma, not Irish traveler. Sorry. He's still a <laughs> gypsy, right? Does it still count? Okay. You guys uh, – yeah, got to keep you honest. I appreciate it. But um, all right. So let me ask you this real quick, and then I'll let you go because I've already kept you past half an hour. But um, when these big, big fights happen in Vegas, when that comes back and you have these uh, ticket premieres, you know, where it's on a site like Axis or whatever, and there's hundreds of dollars in processing fees and you could try to get a handful of tickets they release to the public. Is that all bullshit? Should fans avoid that? Are there instances where it works? What are your thoughts on that? It, it, you know, Mike, it, it, you know, every show is kind of different. Every yeah. promoter has different ways of doing it. And sometimes it's, you know, I mean, for example, the last Canelo fight at, uh, was at uh, MGM versus Kovalev. Now it's, this is totally different times. And I'm um, certainly, this isn't a knock against Golden Boy because their hands are tied to with the you know casino. But the cheapest seat is $300 plus the fees. I know for a fact only six of those tickets went on sale. So they spend all this money to get people to go buy, and then they bump you up to, I believe, the next price range is $600. I'm sorry, $600 plus another like $80, almost $700 for a nosebleed. It's just, you know, it's it's just the point is getting too much. And for fans that bought there, they got a bad deal. Because if they would have waited, you know, certainly – you would have got a much better deal because prices came down. And then the $300 seats, which is a nosebleed, a lot of people just want to get in. There's nothing wrong with that. They want to go with their buddies, have a good time. Eventually, all those seats start coming out. The market comes down. So the people that bought early were almost punished. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the fight last Saturday with, with you know, Matchroom, and, and Matchroom, since they've come to the United States, you got to give them credit. They have priced everything very reasonable. Yes, they have. I mean, if you look at in two weeks, the Estrada uh, Chocolatito, which is – a premier level fight as far as action. I mean, tickets start at $35 and yeah. you can buy them. It's not like, it's not like a phony price. Oh, it's only 35 and then it's a hundred. They're available. You know, the Canelo fight, if you wanted to buy it in Miami and you just want to get in, they had $50 tickets. Now those sold out, but the average fan had a good opportunity to buy the seats. They were there. They took them, you know, a couple of days for them to sell out, maybe a week or two. And then those got got, you know, the fifties went and then it went to the 75s. Then up to the hundred dollar seats, but they had an opportunity in Vegas. It's just gotten too much. And with some of the still charge for parking on top of all that shit. It's just, I mean, listen, I, I, I love Vegas. My office is there, but some of the prices, I mean, listen, I like this. I like the center, bar. I like the center bar at, at, at MGM, but I don't like $20 beer night. I mean, at some point it's just like, it's just getting to the point where it's, it's too ridiculous and coming out of a pandemic where, you know, people haven't had, a, you know, people out of work and, you know, you know, people want to spend money, but you, Vegas has gotten too expensive from ticket prices to hotel rooms to everything else. So yeah. if a city like Miami can offer 
a person a great opportunity to go to a beautiful hotel on the water and it's $100 a night as opposed to a, a casino that's kind of getting tired. You know, maybe maybe there's other alternatives out there besides uh, besides that. I got to tell you, man, we um, we looked at the Fight Hotel, but with the bubble situation and everything there, you know, we, we found an amazing resort for next to nothing yep, in yep. a good part of Miami. I'm like, holy shit. And we've covered fights in Texas and Dallas. It's the same thing. You can get really, really good rates. I mean, coming from Los Angeles, I see these prices and I'm like, oh, my God. Yep. So if cities like L.A., uh, Miami can offer just as much entertainment as Vegas, maybe uh, not quite as much debauchery. Well, L.A., yeah, uh, you could you could have L.A. has the best parties in America, people. But I mean, you could have all of that. You know, you can have the entertainment. You can have um all the red light district stuff that you want to do, you know, that you can do in Vegas, that's available in those cities too. So I think there's huge opportunities, but Miami, the the advantage there versus LA is the taxes are so, so different. And it's the same thing with, with Texas. Maybe you don't have the same entertainment complex there, but it's so cheap and the taxes are cheap. So I think we're going to see more fights going. Do you think uh, going to those markets, do you think that Vegas will never be quite the same after the pandemic with this kind of stuff. Well, I think the the biggest issue with Vegas right now, and a lot of people don't understand this, Vegas, the city itself, what makes the city run is a convention business. It's not gambling. That's a a misconception. The convention business is the biggest in the country. It is so massive there. There's a reason why Bellagio can charge 350 bucks on a Monday. There's a reason why the Venetian is charging 500 bucks on a Wednesday. You know, at certain times of the year, it's because the conventions bring in business travelers that are spending money that's not theirs on their on their company accounts, mm-hmm. and that makes the city flow from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday when they all leave. You know, now the biggest thing hurting the city, they can get busy. You know, Vegas is always going to have a great tourism business, but tourists aren't going there on Monday. You know, these casinos, a lot of them are just finally opening. A lot of the casinos now are, are shut down Monday through Thursday and only open for the weekends. So it's just terrible for the city. It's very sad to see. But until that gets back, you know, the city's going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of trouble, you know, gaining traction, excuse me. And when is that going to come back with all the technology now, like you and I are doing this, you know, face to face, almost on Zoom or not Zoom, whatever this this, this program is. No, a lot of these conventions, you know, it's going to, people might not be doing it anymore. These companies that are spending two, $3 million on conventions and doing all this stuff, they might say, well, last year's sales weren't that bad, and we didn't spend $3 million in Vegas on the convention and the setup, flying, you know, 80 people out, doing the whole stuff. So it, it, it's, it's a big issue for the city. Um, that being said, I mean, it's uh, the city's going to come back. They're going to have big fights, like always. And, um, you know, as the con- country gets back to normal, Vegas will certainly, uh, you know, you know, come back also. I hope that when Vegas gets back into the fight game, they ease up on some of the prices. Cause I, I just, I hate to see the little guys squeezed out of the sport because the diehard fans that tune in week to week, month to month and watch the club shows, they are the ones, they are the lifeblood of the sport. That's who I'm always going to stick up for. And they, let's be honest, they get butt fucked on those big Vegas fights because they simply can't afford to go. There was a time where at least the hotels were cheap. There was, no parking charges. The the food buffets were cheap. Now all that is Destroyed. pretty much Los Angeles, New York prices. We're, no, it's worse. I go to New York. Yeah, sometimes it's worse, yeah. I, listen, I love, for me, New York's my favorite city to go to. I mean, I grew up in Milwaukee, which is like a tiny little city compared to New York. I get to, you know, I'm like a little kid in a big city in New York. It's so exciting. 
And, uh, you know, you go, oh, New York's expensive. New York's expensive. You go out to dinner. I'm like, this is great. This is a lot less than Vegas. Yeah. Quality is better. You know, it's just, it's a, it's gotten too much. You know, T-Mobile Arena, which is a place I can't stand. Me too. <laughs> I can't stand it. You never should have built it. The whole concept behind it was stupid. It's yep. never worked for the city. I mean, minus the hockey team, which is good for the city. Outside of that, the place is a complete dump. I call it T-Chernobyl because everything sucks there. And, I agree. I mean, you go like the center, the alleged club level bullshit that you go and you go to get a beer and you can't even get a normal beer. It's all this crap that no one's ever heard of. It's like 22 bucks for a glass of beer. It's so insulting, the prices. I got a buddy of mine, like the last fight I went there, I can't remember what it was. It's it's an executive from MGM. His son sees me, hey, let me buy you a drink. I'm like, I'll just get, a, you know, Makers on the Rocks. It's like $28. Yep. It's like, come on, for a drink. I mean, it's like the bottle itself costs $10. And you're yep. charging me 28 bucks for a week poor. It's just not fun for people. You know, it's just, it's just gotten too much. I mean, if you look at, you know, like a Manny Pacquiao, when he was, you know, top rank brought him up, those fights with Marquez, all those fights, I mean, that was $50 tickets, $25 tickets. Yeah. I remember they did the third, the third um, uh, Morales fight at Thomas and Mack Center. It was so huge. I mean, the second one was big, but the third one was just off the charts. I remember like the center grade seats, for hundred bucks, there and, was some great fights at that oh, venue back in the day, man. Oh, I love Thomas. great fights. I know, I've done partners. Thomas and Mac, Mandalay Bay, you had some huge. great fights there. Yep, yep, huge. I mean, the early two thousands. Yeah, I mean that Trinidad Vargas fight, uh, De La Hoya. That era, you know, like when we were living in that era, we didn't realize how good it was. And now we sound like old men talking about that era. Well, they, but, they, made, they made the big fights. They got them done. Yeah, and, you know, Don King had a fighter. He and Aram, you know, they didn't like each other, but they still made the fight. It became about money and it was, it was, it seemed like they could do things a lot quicker and, you know, for whatever reason now, and I think we're going to get back to normal once we get past the pandemic, but these, these guys got to quit talking and just get in the ring and there's constant chatter about all the monkey business. Like who cares about the A side? You know what? You know, in, in boxing, one plus one isn't two. If it's two big mm-hmm. fighters, one plus one is four because it, you know, a big fight is so much bigger when you got, you got, you got, a, you got a dance partner. And going back to Miami, they put Canelo in there with a dance partner. You are going to see a city that's on fire, 100%. The city will perform, I promise you. So, uh, On that note, uh, one last question. I'll let you go, Jim. But I agree with you on Miami. You've sold me. John Uden asks, uh, when do you think MSG and Barclays will be back running? We were just talking about New York. Have you heard anything? That I- governor's a freaking moron. Oh, I'm not going to get into that, <laughs> but not a Cuomo fan. But um, I don't know what's going on in New York. Do you? I don't know with Barclays. I, I do got a business partner. And actually, I, I did all, open an office kind of in New York uh, during the pandemic. So the garden is up and running as far as doing limited amounts for both the Rangers and the Knicks. So, hey, they've opened the door. That's a good That's a good start. I believe that they could do a fight come June. That's what I've heard. Okay. And um, the person, uh, you know, the, the rumors going around are obviously from from real people. So, I mean, again, they've opened up the garden right now for hockey and um, and basketball. So they're taking that first step. Uh, New York, it seems like, as far as the numbers and everything else, they seem like they're getting into control as far as, as far as the virus. Now, I'm hearing with those, you got to have a um, uh, vaccine to get in. I believe that's what I have uh, heard as far as going to uh, the Rangers or the Knicks. But, again, the garden is, is – you don't talk about a great arena, an arena that does good business. That place is awesome. So it's good they're open. Um the guy that does the boxing for himself, Edrico, you know he's itching to get a fight there. He, yeah. he's, he's like us. He's a the guy that runs it. He, he's a he's a fan. He loves right. boxing as much as 
He's a historian. He loves it. So, you know, he's dying to get some big fights booked in there. So, you know, the Garden will do what's right. And I, I think by June they should be able to open based on, you know, what I've heard and based on, more importantly, that they're open for business now finally. Well, Jim, great stuff, man. I, I've uh, I got your number down there at the bottom of the screen. Eight hundred. Mike, thank you very much. Two eight three eight six nine nine, and then kotickets dot com. Uh, do you want to give your cell phone out on the show too, or your yeah, Twitter absolutely. or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's everything goes through me anyway, as far as with the office and the guys. But my number is seven zero two five nine one one six three eight seven zero two five nine one one six three eight. I know now with technology, there's a lot of people that you know they shoot me messages. You know, if you want to buy seats from me direct, it's real easy. Basically how it works, you know, you say, I need four seats. Let's say you want to go to Chocolate Tito Strata fight. You know, I want $400 tickets. I'll shoot your location. You want them. All I need is your name and your email address. I shoot you an online invoice. You pay it, and the tickets appear right in your account. It's so easy. Even a boxing fan can do it. <laughs> it's going to be, listen, we got two weeks out. I'm excited. Today's, you know, accounting finished up the Canelo, but now we're uh, we're ready to go for Texas. I can't wait to get back down there. Yeah, and I can't wait for that fight. Oh, okay. it's going to be, it's going to be, and it's great. It's going to be a small arena. It's, you know, it's, it's where um, Mark Cuban's place where the uh, Mavericks play. So it's not going to be a giant arena like we were uh, with Canelo. So every seat in there is going to be good. Uh, tickets start at 35 bucks. I got 50, 75, $100 lowers, and then 200 for the ring sides and the prime Ooh. time lowers. So they, they, Matchroom did a great job pricing it. They're not gouging. They want to sell. I mean, it's again, it's scale for not a lot of people. So there's plenty of seats available now, but I wouldn't wait. For the simple fact is once these people start buying, it's like fishing. They all start to bite at the same time and it's going to dry up. Yeah. The walk up is they're going to take, they're going to gobble everything up on the walk up. So if you want, well, if you want to plan a trip there, guys, <laughs> get the tickets now. Yeah. yeah um, see that fight. That, holy that's, shit. That's a great price. I mean, that, that's, I'm jealous. Doug Fisher gets to cover that one for ring. He was like, that, that, I'm calling this shit. So he's going there. He's, he's a huge chocolate Tito guy. He's, he's so, bringing the- yeah, that's right, man. So, uh, you know, ha- have a drink with Doug. Uh, have fun, man. Uh, I'm so jealous because I wanted to cover that one, too. I'm like, Doug, you know, it's a quick flight from Atlanta, you know, out there to Texas. Make, make, make the trip out as a fan. I'll take care of you. Hey. I got I got I, I owe you a wedding present for you and Tiff. So let me talk to my I got a pair of perfect seats. I know exactly where I'm going to sit you. Do you want to come up? Oh, shit. <laughs> I might just end the show right now and go to, I know. Okay. Hey, man, I, I got to let you go. Request it for you can fly in Saturday morning. All right. All right. Bubble flying Saturday morning, go to the fight. We party afterwards and then Sunday, uh, get back to Atlanta. Holy shit. I don't think <laughs> I could stand up right now. Cause I have an erection, Jim. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much, man. Uh, we'll, we'll talk very soon, my friend. Definitely. Thanks have for a good me. one. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. There he goes, guys. Uh, the best in the biz in, um, he knows the deal, man. He he knows the ins and outs. He's been doing this for a very, very long time. And um, that is why uh, I love having Jim on the show. He's uh, he's a friend of mine, and he knows the business. I love talking to him about the ins and outs. I know some of you guys enjoy that stuff, too. For some of you out there who just want to talk about the fights and you don't want to get caught up in some of the business stuff and nuance, I apologize. You could just fast forward over that part of the show. But I find that stuff fascinating because – uh, a lot of fans out there um, just don't understand the way these things work. You know, the, the way some promoters, not going to name names because they all do it differently, but some promoters kind of gouge fans on a front end, some gouge on the back end. Sometimes it's up to the venue. You got to understand all those different parameters. And that's why you should give Jim a call. You should be following him on Twitter right now because he, 
He's always tweeting about, hey, don't buy yet. This is one you should buy. Wait a second. Hold. Hold the line. You know, he's one of those guys. So if you're not following him on social right now, you need to be. Anyway, we got a couple more uh, Super Chats. Another one from J&M. Thank you so much for the Super Chat, my man. He says, uh, back again. What did you think of Canelo's ring walk? Thanks, buddy. I thought overall the production of the show was great. I don't know if you guys, of course, you saw the stage. I was going to ask if you saw the stage, but... Uh, from my vantage point, I could see the, the zone stage where the fighters would come out and the way it was lit. You know, I had this really cool elevated view of it from this bubble that they were keeping all of us media people in. And it was really, really nice. The whole setup of it was really cool with that open air stadium. Uh, you had that that Florida breeze coming through. It was nice, dude. It, it, the only thing missing for me was a sold out crowd, which, hey, maybe by May, if Jim is right and he knows a thing or two about this stuff, if they bring Canelo Saunders down there to that same venue, which is possible, maybe by then you could get twice, three, four times the amount of fans there, and, and it changes that, uh, the atmosphere. It makes it that much better. But as far as the pyrotechnics and all that kind of stuff, man, I, don't, I didn't know who the hell the damn musician was or any of that shit. But uh, other than that, it was pretty damn awesome. It really, really was. I enjoyed the show. Uh, deed three, four, four, zero with the super chat pledge. Thank you so much. He says, can't wait for, to, for Canelo to KO Saunders round eight. Deed three, four, four, zero is calling it Canelo to KO Saunders. Look, you're not alone in that uh, pick, man. Um, a lot of people think that Canelo is going to stop him late. I think it could be a unanimous decision or something like that. My let's wait until we get closer to that fight. But my initial gut feel is points win for Canelo. But there's a lot of people that will um, buy that fight and watch that fight to see Saunders get his comeuppance because there's a lot of people that don't like him. All right, let's jump to a call here. I think, uh, let's see, Jack in the chat says, answer my call, Mike. I got to take a shit. (laughs) You better not be taking a shit during this call, Jack. We don't allow that in this show. Let's jump over to the phones here. Um, 317, is that you, Jack? Are you taking a shit right now? No. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, I just got that from work. And, uh, you know, I got a lot to say about the Canelo situation. (laughs) Well, have at it, brother. Go. There's one guy at at 168 that I think I'm pretty confident will be Canelo if they fight. I don't think Canelo wants this. And I think you'll agree. I think Dimitri Bivol, if he moves down to 175, I don't think Canelo can beat him. I think Dimitri Bivol... It will look similar to the, the first 10 rounds of the, the Kovalev fight, except Dimitri Bivol will actually be throwing, like, hard punches. Yeah, I see I see you nodding your head. You, don't yeah. you agree that Bivol would probably beat Canelo? Yeah, let me tell you, man. I, um, you know, I was going to go to the post-fight presser for Canelo Yadiram, but he didn't – Canelo didn't end up showing up there until, like, way after 1 o'clock. It was a total – it just – it was crazy. So me and Tiff bounced. I, I got all my articles into the editor and everything for the night. And I was like, screw this. Let's go get something to eat. But I really wanted to go to the presser to ask Canelo directly, like face to face. Hey, man, Dimitri Bivol has talked. I've talked to him several times over the last few years. I've talked to him and his wife. And he has said, I will go down to 168 to fight Canelo. There's zero demand for that fight. But I, I, I'm with you. At 168, the biggest challenge for Canelo is Dimitri Bivol. Now, I'm not going to say Bivol wins that fight, but I, I think he would be the biggest challenge to him. 
Yeah, it's uh, I say that because I don't doubt that that Canelo's fight on 175 again. I just don't think that's well. He might, but he's not going to fight like a super elite guy like Betcher Biev. Yeah. Personally, I think Bivol's better than Betcher Biev. I think Betcher Biev's defense is too leaky. Uh, that's just me. I don't know. Um, I think Triple G still has a high chance of beating Canelo. It's it honestly. Like, for all the people that, okay, maybe Canelo will win a decision this time, but anyone that says, like, Canelo will stop this time, <laughs> shut the fuck up. No, he will not. You're, you're saying that, like, you think Triple G is going to allow that to happen? Like, you think Triple G is going to, like, stop throwing punches and let the refs throw, like, have a TKO? There's no fucking way that's going to happen. There's no way that will happen. Am I wrong there? Like, if they fight again, Canelo may win, but he's not stopping Triple G. I would I would bet against him stopping Triple G. I would bet that it goes the distance. However, and this is this is something you just got to realize, bro. Father Time's undefeated. There there are fighters who have been um, strong chinned, never drop, never hurt, and then suddenly they get stopped if they fight on too long. Now I would I would bet against that with Triple G. Triple G. I would think that it goes the distance, but it wouldn't blow my mind. If we saw Golovkin get old overnight, dude, he had over 300 amateur fights. He's had a lot of fights as a pro. He basically has had two careers. He had a career in Germany, and then he's had a career here in America, right? And he's had some long, tough yeah. fights, distance fights with Jacobs, Derevyanchenko, two with Canelo. So, dude, that's that's going to take a toll at some point. Uh, you know, you, you keep you keep. You take a sledgehammer and you keep bashing that that piece of boulder. Eventually, you're going to crack that boulder and you're going to start to break it up. So it could happen. It could happen, but I bet against it. <clears throat> yeah, well, the thing is, I don't think people know the reason why Triple G got into boxing. Like, two older brothers who ended up, like, passing away in the Army and his family got no, like, they did, they were never told about how his brothers passed away or, like, like where the bodies even went, so that mm-hmm. always made Triple G's mind. I, I think Triple G would die in the ring than get than get like stopped. Like I'd rather think he'd much rather die than actually get knocked down. Because as we saw against Gary Vincenco, he had the flu and he was hit with a perfect body shot and he was hurt. You could tell, but he like threw a jab like three. It started throwing punches like three seconds later, and it just shows like how determined this guy is. I mean. Yeah, you know he's I my don't, favorite fighter, but yeah, yeah of course. Just, but I, I don't, I don't question his determination, Jack. What I question is, it, you know, will Canelo take it out of Golovkin's hands to where he separates? I'm, I'm not again. I'm betting against this, but if he were to separate Triple G from his senses, then all the determination in the world it, it can't get you up if you're asleep. You know, Manny Pacquiao has more yeah. determination and grit than almost any fighter I've ever seen. But against Juan Manuel Marquez that fourth time, it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, well, Marquez, Marquez made sure made sure that by taking a little, uh, you know. But, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was not vada <laughs> testing for that fight. Yeah, yeah. We, you know. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> if you ask me, I think uh, Canelo Saunders is going to look very. Uh, what, what's Andrew Smith say? His trainers or the ref wouldn't let him die though. <laughs> I mean. No, 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 no. It reminds me of Wilder. Wilder saying, "Man, I would have, I would have got out my shield." He, you know, he wanted that fight to be stopped, though. Like, like Mark like, Breland did him a big favor. Yeah, Mark Breland did yeah. him a big favor. Like he, he should be sending Mark Breland residuals checks every week because had Wilder stayed out there in that fight, 
he eventually would have got clipped and put, you know, unconscious by Fury. And he could have stayed without the shield, but that'd be an even more devastating look than get, you know, having your corner stop it. So, uh, but yeah, that's a whole nother story. That's a dead horse we've beat over and yeah. over. Yeah, I want to I wanna get to two more things because I always like other people to have time on the show. Uh, I want to get my predictions to Billy Joe and Canelo. I think it'll look similar to Austin Trout and uh, Canelo. I mean, it's old Canelo, but I think I, I think you'd probably – would you agree with me there? Like possibly like Billy Joe getting dropped and then Canelo having all these nice defensive moves and like Canelo's winning like eight, eight rounds before. Would you agree that probably would probably look something like that? Because that, that's what I see. I see it looking like Canelo and Trout. Yeah, pretty much. I actually think he's going to look better than he looked against Trout. I, I think that um, I think Saunders is better than Trout. He he's more slick. I, I there's a little more similarity to Islandi Lara. I think I think it's going to look a little more like that fight. Except Canelo's going to look improved, and I think I think it's going to be one sixteen, one twelve, one seventeen, one eleven. But I'd love to be proven wrong. I really, really would. Maybe Saunders will show us a level that he's. It's kind of like with Tyson Fury, man against Vladimir Klitschko, although I don't know how clean he was for that fight, but against Deontay Wilder, particularly in the rematch, he showed us levels that he had never showed. This is a guy who that got dropped by Steve Cunningham. This is a guy that punched himself with an uppercut. But when it, when he finally fought an elite-level fighter, he showed us something, man. So, so maybe Saunders will do that. But my money is wide points win for Canelo. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely... That's definitely part. That's probably what I'm gonna do. But uh, one more thing, because you kind of brought up. Um, do you think? Because we've only seen Canelo really hurt twice. Uh, early in his career, he was like 19, and then ran of the Triple D rematch when he was hit with like a straight right hand, and then went into defensive mode. And he amazingly showed awesome recovery skills. But do you think Canelo will be dropped before his career ends? Because I say it's a 50-50, 50 50-50 chance that he might like knocked down or he, he might not or what do you think it depends on what he does if he if he does the floyd mayweather routine no if and i'm not trying to i'm not going to sit here and bash canelo like everyone else does but he is kind of the new floyd mayweather right to where right as lately yeah. it has been very low risk fairly high reward for the fighters he's facing and right now at 168 these, you know, Saunders and Plant, I think are, they're not soft, but they're not very proven fighters. And I, I think Canelo is going to win big against both of them if he fights them. The biggest challenges are guys like Bevel, who you mentioned, even Beterbiev, who I think is going to break down pretty soon. Um, David Benavidez, even Charlo, I think, would pose more of a challenge than Caleb Plant at this point. I, I just do. So it just depends, yeah. dude. If he fights on and he ends up fighting all those guys, yes, he'll get dropped. So will Golovkin. If you keep on fighting, it's eventually going to catch up to you. But if you walk away at the right time, yeah, maybe he won't be. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, last, last one, this is not boxing related. So if you've been seeing my tweets lately, I've been talking a lot of movies with people, just like uh, getting some recommendations of things I should watch. So, uh, And I know it's a hard question. But top five favorite, oh, real quick, I'll, I'll list mine off. If you have, like, top five or, like, six movies you really, really like, I want to hear them. So mine are American Psycho, A Clockwork Orange, American Beauty, Goodfellas, Back to the Future, and Glorious Bastards. No order right there. Those are those are my favorites. You got some? You got some? Some of those are mine, dude. Well, uh, Goodfellas really? is the best mobster movie ever. 
Um, although Godfather Two is no the question. best, like of the old era. But the guys I grew up around and saw, it was very relatable to to Goodfellas in a lot of ways. I love Goodfellas. I can re- I can recite every line in that movie. I love Back to the Future too. That is a guilty really? pleasure, dude. Back to the Future is fucking awesome. I love it, man. The '80s were great. Um, damn. Hmm. It, it, it'd be tough for me to name five, but um, I love Predator. I love Die Hard. <laughs> I love uh, Godfather Two. I mentioned uh, Casino. Gremlins is fun, but this it would be in the top five. But that it's just hilarious. These little creatures that kill everybody and, and smash things. It's hilarious. Um, damn, what else, man? There's a million of them, dude. It just you know I'd have to almost do it by genre. But there's about five or six I just named right there. Yeah, I, I rewatched A Clockwork Orange lately. That's got to be probably my second favorite. I haven't I seen that in a long time. I, well, I have, but I should watch that again. I haven't seen that in a long time. Dude, that's a, it's on Netflix. You gotta fucking rewatch that. That shit's so good. Like the ultra violence stuff, it's super yeah. entertaining. Like I, I know it's a messed up movie, but man, that's good shit. All right, man, it was nice talking to you. Uh, it's been a minute, man. Yeah, you haven't been out in a minute. You call more often, man. No, the only time off. The, yeah, no, it's just that I've been busy. Every single time I listen to you, I'm on like the way driving to the gym. Like that's the only time. Like I don't listen to music. Like I'll either listen to you when I work out, or I'll have like. <laughs> it sounds so weird, like fight, like HBO or Showtime commentary in the background when I work out. And, <laughs> and this shit could be motivating. I get it. I get it. Nah, man, that, that's smart. That's smart. Stimulate yeah, your brain while you're uh, working out, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Well, I always listen to you when I'm on the way to the on the way to the gym, like in the car. So I appreciate. I don't that. really. I'm working a lot, so you know, man. But shit, man, I'll try and get on more. All right, brother. All right, man. Take it easy. I'll be on Twitter. You'll see me on there. All right, man. Have a good one, Jack. There he goes. There he goes, Mr. Jack Alter. Then we got another super chat from A&M. Once again, thank you so much. Uh, He asks, are you covering the Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders fight? And if not, are you having a fight party? Thanks again, buddy. Um, Very, very possible. Again, especially if it does go to a secondary market, like if it goes to Florida, dude, I'm in Atlanta. I'm right on top of Florida. I pretty much claim those shows for Ring Magazine. So uh, if it goes there, yeah, I'll jump all over that. If it goes to Texas, you know, then it's kind of right in the middle of the country. And we do have people in Vegas. We have people in L.A. So one of them might want to come cover it. It is possible that Doug might want to come out because, um, you know, that involves the, the ring title. And he likes to come out to allow the ring championship fights for the ring belt. So that remains to be seen. But if I don't cover it live, I absolutely will be having a fight party and you all will be invited. So yeah, we'll be doing that for sure. Uh, let's see another super chat from my man, John Uden. Thank you so much, John. He says, nobody liked the Yildirim fight, but at this point, will Canelo get criticism no matter who he fights? Will the goalpost always be moved until he loses? Yes. Heavy wears the crown. He is now... This era is Floyd Mayweather, Oscar De La Hoya, Mike Tyson. Take your pick. Sugar Ray Leonard. So it's easy to criticize Canelo, just like it was easy to criticize Floyd. And there are times where I criticize Canelo. There's plenty of times I criticize Floyd. But you also have to give them their credit. If, if Canelo legitimately fights three or four times this year, if two of them are against guys like Yildirim, I could give a shit. If he ends up fighting Saunders and Plant in between Yildirim and somebody else like Yildirim, 
you know, I don't love all those fights. I'd rather see him fight Dimitri Bivol or or Charlo, uh, make Charlo move up to 68 and fight him. I'd rather see those fights than plant in Saunders because I think Charlo's a better fighter than both of them. I think Bivol's a better fighter than both of them. But those are not the fights that are going to happen. Happen systemically in the order that they're they're supposed to happen right now because it is lowest risk, highest reward. If you're the top dog, that's the way you're going to do it. I get it. And Canelo is the top dog. So it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter who he fights. If he fights Bevel, people will be like, well, what's Bevel done? If he fights Charlo, oh, he's making a move up. He kind of is in a position where whatever he does, he's going to get criticized. And I'm called now a Canelo apologist where it wasn't that long ago I was being called a Canelo hater. I haven't really changed my tune on Canelo. I'm just giving the guy credit for staying active. You know, I, I still recognize all the issues and he has kind of taken advantage of opportunistic controlled situations, you know, where he's plucked the guys at the right time. You know, the Sergey Kovalev fight, for example, that's what most of the top fighters in boxing do all the way back to the beginning. Dude, Jack Johnson pulled moves like that. All of them have done it. So he's not unique in that respect. Um, the one difference between right now between Canelo and even someone like Golovkin, Golovkin ain't fighting nobody. He doesn't have a fight scheduled. Canelo's fought twice in the last two months. Golovkin hasn't fought anybody. We haven't seen Charlo in the ring since uh, since the Charlo doubleheader. We don't know if they've got anything scheduled. Teofimo Lopez, you know, finally we know what he's going to do, but like he's drawn that out. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but it's nice to see the top dude in the sport staying active because that's good for the business of boxing going down there, covering that fight in Miami. I saw fans, international media, there, um, big names. There were, there were big name fighters and, and celebrities at that event. That is good for the sport as a whole. Okay. So people are going to criticize. It is what it is. The dude can't win. No way, no how. Now, if he fights four times this year and it's against lower level opposition, all four of the fights, that's different, but we already know he's going to fight Saunders, who is one of the best 168 fighters in the world. All right, we got one more call here real quick, guys, and then I'm, I promise I'm going to get to news and notes. Holy shit, we're over an hour in. We just had such a good interview with Jim. Uh, 585, you're on the show. Go. How's it going, Michael? Um, I want to see if you can settle this argument between me and my uh, coworker real quick. Okay. Um, He's a Mexican-American, and um, we was going through um, the best Mexican fighters of all time. And he said Canelo's already there. And I looked at him like, uh, <laughs> I gave him a sarcastic look. Like, there's, I don't think so. My opinion, I don't think so. I don't think he's there. I don't think he's uh, over Oscar De La Hoya. And he gave me a look. You know, like Oscar De La Hoya, are you crazy? So he's young. I'm I'm 41 years old. He's uh 27. There you so, go. Um, I'm trying to explain to him how good Oscar De La Hoya is, and he thinks of Oscar De La Hoya as the Golden Boy promoter and all this. I'm like, dude, you don't like you don't know Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya was a great fighter, and I'm telling him all the people he fought when he fought him. I just wanted to know your opinion because I, I really don't think people give Oscar Hoya enough respect on what he did and who he fought when he fought them. I just wanted to know your opinion. I completely agree with you, man. To me, this is a generational thing. You know, it's like um, 
my wife, she's a lot younger than me. And when she sees Ice T on TV, she's like, "Oh, Ice T, the actor!" And I laugh my ass off because <laughs> I think of Ice T as a rapper. I don't think of him as an actor. You know what I'm saying? Because that's my generation, our generation, because we're the same age. That's how I remember Ice T. But she sees him as an actor. So yeah, you're right. A, a lot of these kids, they they see Oscar as a promoter. They don't realize, you know. Um, I think it was Captain Hook Chronicles earlier in the chat. We were talking about. I think it was '97 where Oscar fought like four or five times in a year and he fought everybody. He lost some, but he won a lot of them too. Yeah. Um, the thing with Canelo, man, I, I just, I agree with you. He's not there yet. He has fought some damn good fighters. Okay. I'm just looking at, I pulled up the resume. He's got Floyd on there. He's got Cotto. Um, he's got Golovkin twice. Jacob's really good fighter. Right. But I'm, I'm looking, he lost uh, Floyd, shut him out which no, no shame in losing to Floyd, especially at the age Canelo was. I thought uh, Golovkin clearly beat him at least once, maybe twice. Uh, so so what's his best win? Is it Lara? Is it an old Kodo? Is it Daniel Jacobs who was softened up by uh, Golovkin? You know what I'm saying? That's nowhere near what De La Hoya did. Nowhere near. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I was just going through, me and him was just through uh, their resume that worked on lunch break. And half of the fighters he didn't know, I had to tell him, when you go home, go go on YouTube, because a lot of De La Hoya's fights are on, on like, you, the I Corte, when he fought I Corte, I Corte was uh, a beast. And, mm-hmm. and De La Hoya didn't have to fight him. And he yep. fought him. Like, um, I mean, he fought Sugar Shane Mosley when Sugar Shane Mosley was at his peak. He lost that fight. And he went right back and fought Vargas right after. Now, most fighters, after they lose, a primetime fighter like De La Hoya is not going to fight a big fight back-to-back like that after a loss. And he fought Vargas after a loss. So that that's really good. I told him about that, too. I'm like, De La Hoya, a lot of people just don't give De La Hoya enough respect, in my opinion. I just don't. When you talk about Mexican fighters and just fighters all, all time, uh, I think they need to really do their research and we put more respect on Oscar De La Hoya's name. Obviously, he bring up his issues outside, but that really has nothing to do with it. But uh, I just I just told uh, the youngster, I'm like, need to really do your, your research on Oscar because he, 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 he fought the best and he lost. But when you fight the best, you continue to fight the best, you're going to lose. You're going to get, you're going to do that. Yeah. You know, you're going to yeah. lose. Uh, I completely agree, man. I mean, and the thing is, you know, People forget, man, when, when Oscar started, he started as a lightweight. He was a fucking monster as a lightweight. And before yeah. he fought the really, really big names in, in their prime, I mean, guys like John John Molina, Rafael Ruelas, uh, Gennaro Hernandez, Jesse James Leja. I'm just looking at these names. An old Chavez, yeah. An older Whitaker, yeah. Uh, Camacho, older guy, yeah, I get it. But just, as you talked about, Ike Corte, Obacar was a, a good fighter. Uh, Trinidad, of course. Mosley, uh, then he's, then Vargas. I mean, I the list goes on, man. Hopkins, yeah, he lost against Hopkins. I get it. Floyd, uh, prime Floyd beat him. Pacquiao beat him, but he took all those fights. To me, dude, it's not even on in the same stratosphere. I would just add this one distinction: Oscar Mexican heritage, but he's a, he he was American. So it, you know that's right. the thing. When people say all time Mexican fighters, do you include Oscar in that list? Because technically, he's an American fighter. But I know there's this whole political thing with yeah. that, you know. 
So I don't want to go down that road. Yeah. But what's your name? I didn't catch your yeah. name. And where are you calling from? Uh, Dwayne, I'm calling from Rochester, New York. Okay, cool. But uh, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, uh, Mike, on the uh, call, and uh, talk to you next week, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, man. Call in any time, Dwayne. Thank you. There he goes, everybody. Dwayne from Rochester. That was a good call, man. I, look, that's the thing with boxing, and I think with all sports, you get caught up in these generational arguments, right? And, uh, yeah, anyone who thinks that Canelo has accomplished more than Oscar did, you're wrong. Sorry, just wrong. And it's no disrespect to Canelo because he, he's the baddest dude on the planet right now. Honestly, I got rated number one pound for pound. He's the guy right now. But he hasn't accomplished. He didn't accomplish Floyd or Oscar have anywhere near that yet. So he's on his way. Let, let the shit play out, guys. Everyone wants to do things so fast now. Uh, Manuel Campos. In the chat says, you all don't fucking get it. As a Mexican, he's talking about Canelo. He wants to be the first one to be unified at 168. How hard is that to understand? I get that, Mr. Camos. I, I get that. However, don't, don't let yourself be too manipulated, okay? Because there is better opposition at 160 right now than anybody at 68. The best fighter right now at 168, the best challenge would be David Benavides, not Caleb Plant not Billy Joe Saunders. So it is a little bit of matchmaking and business here, okay? And a lot of you guys that are pushing this narrative with Canelo, he wants to unify the belts at 68. You were the same one shitting on Golovkin when he said he wanted to unify at 160. So just be consistent. I, I am all for Canelo unifying all the belts at 168. You know, I, I understand that. You know what I'm saying? That's a great accomplishment if he could do it. However, there are better fighters for him to face as a fight fan, I hope we get those fights. If it's next year, cool. I can live with that. But if next year, going forward, he does fight a Charlo. He does fight um, a, a Dimitri Bivol. He does fight David Benavidez, whoever it is. That, that's what I want to see down the line. For right now, cool. Unify 168. But understand what that is, dude. That's a marketing thing. Okay? It's a marketing thing. Either way, anytime somebody unifies titles, I'm all for it. So if he unifies titles, I'm good with it. All right, guys, we got a couple calls right now. Uh, not surprised because of, you know, look, Canelo just fought and there's some, some news going on. Let me jump to some news real quick, okay? And then I promise I'll jump to these calls. But I want to talk a little bit about this purse bid thing with Triller. So there was a purse bid last week between Tiafima Lopez, George uh, Cambosis. They're two promoters. Uh, Cambosis is promoted by Lou DiBella. And of course, Lopez is with top rank. They couldn't come to an agreement for the purse bid for the mandatory fight. One of the lightweight titles that Lopez has, uh, Cambosis, I, I think it's the IBF, is the mandatory. So they go to purse bid. And top rank, I think, bid a little over $2 million. Matchroom bids a little over $3 million. Triller bids over $6 million. They win the purse bid. Boxing Twitter lost their damn mind. When this happened, and I just found this to be so interesting because the perspectives different people have on these things, it's, it's always so interesting to me. Uh, look, let me be clear about a few things. First of all, great for Tiafima Lopez. He bet on himself and he thought that he deserved more money than top rank was offering for that fight. And ultimately he got it. Even if Triller didn't bid, Matchroom outbid top rank. So he was going to get more money going this route. Okay. So even if Triller didn't come in, uh, I think it was 3.5 million from Matchroom 
So he would have got paid more that way too. So I like the chess being played there in terms of boxing business by Team Teofimo Lopez. However, let's be clear about something. He's not the only one winning here. George Cambosis is winning big time in this scenario. He's getting paid seven figures for this fight. Also, Top Rank gets about $100,000 from Triller. They're, they're not even promoting the damn event, and they're going to get paid because they're getting 20% of, of uh, Teofimo's cut. Lou DiBella is getting a cut from Cambosis, and all the sanctioned organizations are getting around 4%. So they're all eating well. So Triller's paying everybody right now. And I want to be clear about something. And this isn't me hating, or this is me telling you guys the truth. Triller overbid. This fight is not worth $6 million, okay? Now, it's obvious that somebody at Triller was talking to somebody at Team Lopez, and they kind of had some wheeling and dealing going on behind the scenes, and they were expecting this big bid. Same thing possibly with Matchroom. Although none of that's been substantiated, that is me just assuming, okay? So I'm not trying to say that I heard anything in particular. That is just me, my, my assumption. However, they overbid. Let's be clear. It remains to be seen. There's a lot that can happen. If they're going to make that $6 million back, is it really important that they do? If you want to see more of this, it is important. If they lose their ass, then they're out of boxing. Okay, no big deal. But what I want to see happen is Triller do this fight with Lopez and uh, and Cambosis and add it to another card. Make a, a big, big show where you've got – they've got the the – YouTuber Jake Paul fighting again. That's going to be supposedly in Atlanta. I think they got Regis Progre is going to be fighting. Uh, they're going to have that. So, so like if they add a few of these fights together and they make a big blockbuster show, there's rumors Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield will fight again. If they do something like that and it's all on one big pay-per-view, maybe you got something here. But let's just assume right now, let's just assume that all you get for a $40 pay-per-view is Tiafima Lopez and George Cambosis. Are you going to buy that pay-per-view? All of you have been cheering and saying, oh, this is awesome. Top rank got it in the ass hard with no lube, no Vaseline. You know, and you've been celebrating on Twitter as if you're getting a piece of this money. If this fight on its own goes to pay-per-view, are you going to buy it? Because if you're not, yeah, you're kind of a hypocrite. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so think about it. Also, I just want to give some perspective to some of you younger guys. This is not the first time we've seen somebody crash the party in boxing and throw a ton of money around and say, we're going to change the game and we're coming in. I'm not voting. I'm not bidding against Triller and I'm not rooting against them. I'd love to see more competition in boxing. If they can do more fun events like that Tyson Jones thing that brings more eyes to the sport and they get some legitimate fights on there and some legitimate real fighters on there in their prime uh, for people to and get, you know, just young viewers seeing them and build up their brands. That's awesome. So I'm rooting for them. I want to be clear, but dude, we saw rock nation overpaying fighters. That was a crash and burn, right? We saw, remember 50 cent, 50 cent got into promoting. Remember that shit? How long did that last? We saw the, the PBC experiment where it was all going to be free boxing, free boxing for all. How'd that go? They're gouging you guys with pay-per-views post-pandemic. They're the only major American promoter to put out multiple pay-per-views, not let alone one, since the pandemic. And there's more coming in 2021. How'd that work out? Free boxing for everybody. DAZN, 
threw a shitload of money all over the place. And then they realized, oh, wait, I think we overpaid Canelo. Let's restructure this deal, right? And they've slowed down the spending. Have you heard any new signings announced by DAZN recently? So even they were like, oh, shit, we got to pull back. Guys, This we've seen this a million times in boxing history. So everybody slow down. I saw a bunch of tweets this week. Um, I'm sorry, last week, where people were saying, oh, the dinosaurs are gone. This is the wave of the future. Triller's going to take over the business in the next five years. Everyone slow down. It was a fucking purse bid. One, uno, purse bid, okay? Slow down. I'm rooting for Triller. I hope it works out. More competition in boxing is good for boxing. But we've seen this play before. So everyone relax, enjoy the ride. Let's see how it plays out. Okay, that those are my general thoughts. Also, I've seen people that were really, really happy that top rank seemingly got played here, right? And Tiafima Lopez has gone on his social media uh, bashing the shit out of top rank saying, you just lost your best fighter, blah, blah, blah. Well, in terms of who's bringing in the most money, that's not Lopez. There are several fighters bringing in more money than him, especially this one guy who fights at heavyweight. But uh, he may be pound for pound their best fighter right now. So, so look, if they break up, it is what it is. But how did top look? Is it a bad look that top rank came in $2 million plus dollars for this fight? Maybe. Maybe they look cheap because even Matchroom outbid them. And I do think it was hypocritical and just shitty and nonsensical and illogical for Bob Arum to go in at Eddie Hearn the way he did afterwards. Why? It was an open purse bid. Eddie Hearn didn't break any damn rules by, by bidding on it and outbidding you. So shut up, Grandpa Bob. Like, you're just, you're wrong about that. You're right about a lot of things, but you were wrong about that one. I, I don't see why he went after Matchroom the way he did. However, as I mentioned earlier, they're getting $800,000 for doing nothing. Also, what if, because I've heard some of you guys say this, what if Top Rank said, you know what, to make Tiafimo happy, let's, let's bid, we'll give you $5 million for this Cambosis fight, and we'll make our money on the back end. You know, when you go up and you fight against, <clears throat> let's say, you know, we're going to do this long-term thinking, you're going to fight the winner between Ramirez and Taylor, and then you're going to fight Terrence Crawford, and we're going to make all of our money back there. So we'll overpay you now to make you happy. Guys, there is no such thing as loyalty in the sport of boxing. None. There is no such thing as a guarantee in a sport of boxing. It doesn't exist. So who's to say, because we've seen this play plenty of times, that, um, you know, let's say they offered Tiafima Lopez $5 million to fight George Cambosis. And then six months after they said, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to go promote myself now. And they lost their ass. And then he's out the door. I'm not sitting here trying to defend top rank. I don't work for them. I have no stock in their business. I'm just telling you the way this shit works, guys. So top rank has been around longer than anybody. They are the most experienced promoter in the game right now. Grandpa Bob has been around for decades. He always plays the long game. Okay. Short game, long game. Let's see by the end of this year, next year, how this situation looks. We'll talk about it then, but there's the short game and there's the long game. All right. That's my opinion on this. Also, let's see. um, You know, one, if I could give you guys a quick analogy. In terms of the boxing business, think of a stock ticker. If you look at a stock ticker just for one day, you'll see it go up and down, right? Of these straight, jagged lines. It's all over the place. 
But when you zoom out that stock ticker and you look at it over a month, the lines start to curve. They get smoother. If you pull it out over a year, they really start to flatten out, right? You don't get as much variation. That's the that's analogy. I just want to bring that forward, thinking about short game versus long game. There's a lot of volatility in the short game. But if you play the long game, things are smoother and you see trends over time. So just keep that in mind. Also, Golden Boy Promotion signs Gilberto Zerdo Ramirez. I like that signing for them. And, you know, Zerdo, okay, talk about betting on yourself, short game versus long game. He played the short game. Uh, top rank was done dealing with his crazy-ass wife and their, their crazy-ass demands. He did not bring in uh, anywhere near what they thought he would. He tried to promote himself. Didn't turn out so well. He immediately jumps back to a promoter. So long game, short game. Okay, let's see here. Um, I'm just looking at the chat here. See a couple of you guys' comments. Let me jump to the phones, man. Let me give my voice a break. Let me jump over to 401. You're on the show. Go. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Uh, she at the gym right now, but I had to get in a call. You you watch those guys at uh, Ock and Barack that uh, do the show on the zone? What, the Ock and Barack thing? Yeah, the little stupid show they do. They I've were, never... They, they were both saying that they think you don't want to watch it. They were both saying, um, oh, Canelo is already the greatest Mexican player ever. I'm like, dude, are you crazy? Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. And look, all those guys, I, I've never, I don't know anything about them. I don't want to sit there and diss them because I, I don't know. Maybe their show's great. Maybe it's not. I, I've never even watched it. But these guys, you know, these talking heads, a lot of people say it's pretty bad. <laughs> but they always, they have to say stuff like that yeah. to get people talking, bro. It's all about getting clicks. It's all about getting clicks. Yeah, and they were with Ryan Garcia, so I kind of, you know. There you go. I want to talk to Russ. Did you um, see the uh, Roma and Haynes going on Twitter? How Twitter is. Twitter It's hilarious. You got to see it. Yeah, yeah. I saw, um, I think he said something about Loma, then Loma responded, and they went back and forth, and they were talking some trash. So, hey, if it leads to a fight, it was today, right? Yep. So, late last night and today. The last one was the fight. Loma had a nice uh, round. He said, um, you should be happy that we didn't fight. Well, tell about you should be grateful that uh, you were mandatory and we didn't fight because you got the belt by now after all. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, Loma stepped up his trash-talking game. I, I saw a couple and was saying, uh, I want to do a real fight, not a fight on Twitter, or, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, which I'm all, hey, man, if those two end up fighting this year, I'm all for it. I'd love to see that. Do I think it happens? Probably not. Yeah, no. Can you, can you imagine, though? Can you imagine Loma returns, faces Nakatani wins, and then beats Devin? All the haters uh, that the last Yeah, there would be a, some people losing their mind if that happened. It, they really, really would. <laughs> but it, it's possible. Yeah, um, it, I just, you know. I don't. I think politics yeah, I mean, will prevent that fight from happening. Unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes, sometimes, oh my God, Devin made a terrible choice. He just fell off so hard, and everybody else. 
Yeah, he's just done too much talking, dude. I, you know, I tweeted out today um, an article I wrote. I think it was the very end of 2018 about Devin Haney for Ring Magazine, kind of introducing him to uh, to the more of the casual fans that read the magazine and stuff. And um, I was really, really interested in him then because I, I thought, man, this kid has a ton of potential. He was kind of promoting himself. He seemed really, really smart. I talked to him for like over an hour uh, when I did that piece. And man, just since then, dude, he's just, I don't know if he's believing his own hype. Now that he's getting these seven figure paydays, if he's, I just, I wish that he would just stop tweeting and just fight, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the worst thing. And he kind of has the, the, the kind of crowd around him that's hyping him up without really proving himself. You know, the guys that hate Triple G, Loma, who's like that, you know, that crowd, I don't really have to explain it. <laughs> yeah. I hear you, brother. Yeah, I'm hyping it up without proving himself at all yet. Um, oh yeah, um, this is Google's cousin, Google's cousin again, by the way. Sometimes we talk on Who is it? Twitter. Your, your phone, your so phone long. broke up, bro. Yeah. Say that again. Say that again. Yeah, your phone broke yeah. up. Say your name and stuff Sorry. again. Uh, it's Ethan, uh, Boo Boo's cousin, Andre's cousin. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I have to call. It's been so long, but um, yeah, I'm gonna let you go, bro. For your show, and I'll try to call him again soon, man. Okay, man. Have a good one. You too, bye. There he goes. There he goes. As uh, Demetrius Andre's cousin, everybody. He's called into the show a few times. Been a while, though. All right, one more call real quick. 570, you're on the show. Go. Thanks, Mike. Uh, as always, you tell it like it is. Appreciate that, um, man. Here's my, pers- here's my perspective. Canelo, after the Triple G fights, which I thought he lost badly the first fight, the second fight was a close fight. Should have been maybe a Triple G uh, slight win or draw, I'd give it. Nothing away from Canelo on that, okay? After that, he is the best fighter in boxing pound for pound. He has proven it. He is the dominant alpha in boxing right now. Here's where I have an issue, though, with Canelo. And I do blame Golden Boy for those bad decisions versus Golovkin because I think Golovkin beat him. And Golovkin's aged out. He's 39. So he's pretty much out of the picture now. We can't count on that fight happening. But with Canelo, we have to delve into the past, past this prologue, they say. Well, Canelo, after he beat Cotto, he was mandated to fight Golovkin for the WBC belt. He said, no, no one's dictating to me. I'm going to dump the belt. Gave it to Golovkin. Didn't want to fight the Mando because the Golovkin was the Mando. Fast forward to this month. Avni Yildirim, okay? This guy, his last two wins were against a guy 3-31 and 31, and another guy with 14 losses. That's his last two wins. He's coming off the beat, okay? The Durrell, who was terrible uh, on Saturday, by the way. So how does he get a Mando? Well, Al Heyman. Don't forget, Benitez, or, uh, Benavides was supposed to be the WC uh, champ, but he lost on the scale. Hayden arranged Yildirim to be at Mando. So Canelo was stuck facing Yildirim because of Al Heyman. Now, Canelo, if he had the same integrity back when he, when he was supposed to fight Golovkin, he said, no, I don't want to fight my mandatory Golovkin. Why didn't he say, no, I refuse to fight Yildirim. You don't control me. This guy doesn't belong in the ring with me. I have better things to do. No. He said, no, I want to unify the titles and I will fight Yildirim because he's my mandatory. It's a double standard and, and it's a bad look for Canelo. I know, I know a lot of people probably didn't see that, 
But this is what we were left with this weekend. It was a horrible weekend of boxing. Is this so, bad? Is this... With that being said, yes. Okay, I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah I found you, brother. But listen, outstanding point. I just to interrupt real quick. Um, everything sure. that you just said is true. And that's that's the point I wanted to make. I, I think Emmanuel Campos on the chat earlier was, you guys don't get it. He wants to unify the belts. Yes, but you go back a few mm-hmm. years, and he did not want to fulfill his mandatory obligations. He Canelo has made right. business decisions, and that's all. I'm, all I I still think he's the pound for pound number one fighter right now, and I love that he's being busy and yeah. he's keeping the sport of boxing moving. I love all those things, but. This is also part of the story. And this is the same type of stuff that Floyd Mayweather pulled. And Oscar De La Hoya pulled some of that stuff before him. Although I think Oscar took on more challenges than Floyd and Canelo uh, combined. But but these, these things, this isn't hating on Canelo Alvarez. This isn't us shitting down his throat. This is us telling no. the full story. There is good. There is bad. There is gray area between the black and white, fine print, if you will. So, uh, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to reiterate that was an outstanding point. I completely agree with you. Doesn't yep. change the fact he's the best fighter in the world right now. No, it doesn't. And that's, I want to like Canelo. I, I, I do. I do like him as a fighter. I think he is great to watch. I will pay $500 per pay-per-view to watch him fight Bivol or Baturbiev. I do believe Bivol and Baturbiev would beat him right now or it'd be a very, very close fight. But that's not to say in a year when Baturbiev ages out, kind of yeah. like they did with Golovkin, the fight gets closer. So I think that's where we're at with, with, with that. Now, you know, with Canelo, uh, he is just... A, <laughs> He's wasting his talents, you know, against guys like Yildirim and, and, and these other, you know, handpicked guys. He should fight the best. And I know the, the Golovkin fight, will, the, the trilogy will never happen. Because let's be honest, Golovkin's almost 40 years old. I mean, he peaked in, in 2013. That, that was, we never really got to see the true Golovkin. Yeah. And what we're seeing now with Canelo, Canelo's probably the closest thing to Golovkin. They are, are so alike. They have granite chins. They have a warrior mentality. Uh, Golovkin had more power, a little bit more power. Uh, Canelo has a little bit more speed, but I think their skill set is, is pretty much the same. I, I think they're the same fighter. I really do with those two exceptions, a little bit more speed for Canelo and a little bit more power for Golovkin. It is what it is. Um, you know, I just wish he steps up and fights the two big boys at light heavyweight or Bivol could move down to 168. Right. And I know he's not a big name, but he is a talent. He is a great fighter. I mean, if, 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 Bivol, if, if people don't believe me, I, I, I completely Joe Smith fight. Yeah. The way he beat Joe Smith and what Joe Smith has done since then shows levels. It's kind of like when you look at uh, Tiafima Lopez, now those wins over Nakatani and Comey, uh, they've aged oh, yeah. pretty well, right? But um, I think Beevil could move down to 168 and beat everybody right now, may except maybe Canelo. But he I would. agree with you; it'd be very, very close. Right. But he would beat up David Benavidez. He'd box circles around him. He oh, would yeah. destroy Plant, absolutely destroy him. He would yeah. um, outpoint and possibly, probably just outpoint Saunders, but it'd be pretty wide. He'd obliterate Smith. Yeah, yeah. he'd he'd clean up the whole division. 
Yeah, without a doubt. And and that's a super fight I'd be willing to pay. I mean, the thing with uh, the Saunders fight coming up, Vegas already has out those odds out. It's uh, Canelo's a, a little over five to one favorite. You have to put up 580 bucks to win 100 back on Canelo, which is telling you, you know, he's pretty, that, that was the same odds as against uh, Smith, Callum Smith is five to one, uh, six to one odds on Canelo, right in that, that area. So it's the same type of odds. Uh, Saunders, he can't really win a decision as we saw in the Golovkin fights. You're not going to beat Canelo on the cards. You have to hurt him. You have to put him down. But Canelo's got a granite chin. So who's who's really going to do that besides Baturbiev and, and Bibble? So it's a good fight on paper. He massacres Saunders. You're hearing it here first. He massacres him. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But you're spot on in your, in your commentary. And uh, it's good to have one of the good guys, you know, in the media in the boxing media, so to say, because we're seeing a lot of crap. Um, you know, like you said, with Haney getting paid seven figures for who, who is yeah. he fighting? What has he done to merit that? There is like a, uh, a welfare system in boxing right now. Um, we saw it play out. The money's like there. Said, People with, are going to uh, take it, man. I, I, I don't blame Here's the thing. I don't blame Haney. Why, why, why be mad at him? I don't like right. the Twitter talk, but I don't blame him at all for taking seven figures to fight the guys he's fighting. It's, it's the fair. system, and it's the people right. that are enabling it. Yeah, I, I just don't get where this money's coming from. Like, why are they buying these fights that are meaningless and do not prove a thing? Haney has not fought a top ten guy, and yet he gets he merits a seven figure payday. That that's asinine to me. There's got to be more to it than than just that. So we're at really a crossword stage with, with boxing. You have too much entitlement and, and you have too many boxers trying to promote their own career. And you know what? That might be fine in their mind, but you know what? An auto mechanic, you know, is great at fixing cars, but would you hire him to do your taxes? Probably not. Fighters should be in the ring fighting. You hire a business manager to do the business end of boxing. And I know people have a problem with that because a lot in the past there were a lot of scumbag promoters and managers that robbed fighters. Yeah. We saw it. Yeah. Don King, what he did, inexcusable. But again, Don King did right by the fans by making the fights he did on pay per view with the Grand Slam of Boxing, Revenge of the Rematches, the best pay per view bang for your buck that a fan could ever want and desire. Yeah, that's how you do boxing on a business end for the fans. Not for the fighter, obviously, because he ripped the fighters off. We got to find a happy medium somewhere in boxing. I'm hoping Triller might be onto something. Me too. I hope so I too. I don't like. I, I don't. I don't like what they're doing with the seniors, you know, division. Yeah. But if they could piece together a, a card with fights the fans want to see, it might not be top notch guys, but it might be great matchmaking. I'm all for it. Hey, take over. We need what we had in the '90s on pay-per-view so i'm with you man i gotta let you go Thad. i gotta get I, I gotta try to wrap this thing up in under two hours today <laughs> but good stuff man <laughs> you could be on five hours it's still worth listening uh, i appreciate so, that brother good stuff all right man thank you all right there he goes and uh, i want to get to one comment here in the chat because it, it is a good question uh manuel says if people really wanted to fight against canelo at 168 
I think he would move down and be making noise at 168, beating those fighters, just like you say. I get that. I do. I understand that. But Dimitri Bivol is not a big name. And the only bargaining chip he has right now is that world title. It's just like we were just saying against Devin uh, about Devin Haney. He gets those seven-figure paydays because of that world title. So if you're a fighter in the situation of Bevel, the only thing he's got right now is the world title belt, right? So yes, look, I, I I'm not saying I don't I'm not mad at Canelo for not fighting a guy like Artur Baturbiev or Dmitry Bevel. I understand why he's fighting Saunders and Plant, and he's going in that order. Like I get it, I totally totally get it. All I'm telling you is. It's pretty obvious that a guy like Bevel, a guy like Baturbiev, even a guy like Charlo, who and I think the Charlos are somewhat overrated, but Charlo, even maybe Andre, probably beats or, or at least is very competitive with Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant, those kinds of guys. I think as it stands right now, the best challenge for Canelo at 168 is David Benavidez. He doesn't hold a world title. That's convenient for Canelo. That's convenient for him right now. It's not Canelo's fault that Benavidez doesn't hold a world title. That's David's fault for screwing up multiple times. So I'm not mad at Canelo. I think some of you guys take this criticizing the side of sport. I'm not even criticizing. I'm just telling you guys the fucking truth. And some of you guys hear the truth and it defends you. Because it's it's showing that this is a complicated thing, Okay. I can't just sit here and compliment Canelo Alvarez all day. I have to, I'm going to compliment him and give respect he deserves in a half. But there's also the flip side of it. Okay. And all I'm doing is addressing that. That's it. I'm not hating on the guy at all. He's the baddest boy on the planet right now. But these dudes that he's going to fight this year, I totally get it. I'm happy he's being active. They're not as good as the other fighters I just mentioned. They're just not. Okay. And that's the truth. Okay. Let's talk about these fights that took place. Wow. We are 141, an hour and 41 minutes into the show. And I'm just now getting to the fight review. So I'm going to fly over this, guys, because it's been a long show, but it's been a damn good one, I got to say. Uh, PBC on Fox from Los Angeles, Anthony Durrell and Kyron Davis fight to a split draw. Wasn't necessarily worth watching. That wasn't a very good one. Uh, Lou Moretz had to fight for Davis. Pat Russell had to fight for Darrell. Zachary Young had to draw. There you go. All right. Matroom Box, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida on the zone. It was the Canelo show. We've talked about the main event a lot. Look, a really pretty one, two in the third round dropped Avni Yildirim. He made it to his corner. Did not want any part of Canelo after that. He knew right away what was up. And he retired on the stool. Some people are mad at him for that. I get Are any of you freaking surprised? We already knew what was going to happen. It is what it is. It was what it was. He got paid. He should have never been mandatory. As Thad said on the phone earlier, that was Al Heyman setting up an easy fight for one of his title holders. David Benavidez fucked it up. And so Canelo got to take advantage. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. You know what I'm saying? 
In the co-main, McWilliams Arroyo, TKO5 win over Abraham Rodriguez, last-minute replacement for Julio Cesar Martinez, wins the interim WBC flyweight title, and now will uh, face Martinez, the full title holder, later this year when Martinez's hand heals. Uh, major buzzkill that Julio Cesar Martinez hurt his right hand days before the fight. What the hell were you doing to injure your hand that bad days before the fight? For the record, um, I questioned the injury at first too, guys. I know a lot of you did, but I included photos of it in a piece I did at ringtv.com. By the way, all my coverage of the card, ringtv.com. Make sure you go there, check out the articles. Okay, go there and just search for my name, click on all the articles. That helps. You know what I'm saying? Drop a comment. Let me know what you guys think. But it was a legitimate injury, okay? Uh, Sucks, but great win for McWilliams Arroyo. Looked very sharp against a limited fighter, fighting in the United States for only the second time. Uh, Fighter out of Mexico, Abraham Rodriguez. Last-minute replacement. So he is set up now to face Martinez. That fight is going to be competitive when it happens. Obviously, I favor the Mexican, but the Puerto Rican is going to give him a tough challenge. Now, let's talk about a tough challenge in the heavyweight division. Zale Zhang uh, and Jerry Forrest fight to a draw in a heavyweight slugfest. There were knockdowns in the first, second, and third round. Uh, th- it looked like this was going to be a short night. Zhang looked good early on. He showed some skill. The, the first knockdown, he had to shorten up his left hand. Uh, he, he was a counterpunch that he caught Forrest with, dropped him. He was pretty for a guy that size. I was kind of impressed early on. Then he completely gassed, and Jerry Forrest fought back. Forrest is a limited guy, but he does have some athleticism and a lot of toughness and heart, and he was able to hang in there, and he had Zhang almost out late. He buzzed him and hurt him in that 10th and final round. Then the Chinese heavyweight showed some heart by hanging on when he was clearly hurt and gassed. So in the end, this is a draw. Moral victory for Jerry Forrest, I guess, but Zali Zhang, Big Bang Zhang. This is someone that we were taking a look at for a while. His stock dropped dramatically in this fight because if there's anything to him, look, Forrest has stepped up a few times. Guys like Gerald Washington, uh, Jermaine Franklin beat him, and old Carlos Takam beat him. Michael Hunter beat him. So if you are on anywhere near the top 10 level at heavyweight, you beat a guy like Jerry Forrest. So there's just nothing to Zhang. Can he improve from this? Maybe, but I don't know, man. I just don't know. Also on this card, uh, undefeated super middleweight prospect out of Los Angeles, Diego Pacheco, with a unanimous decision win in eight rounds. The first time he went past six rounds, I want to see more feints from him. Feints are a lost art in the sport of boxing, and very few guys faint the right way. So there wasn't enough fainting from him. He needs to add that to his game. Other than that, I really like what I see from that kid. And Keyshawn Davis wins his pro debut. He's a lightweight, was an amateur standout here in the United States, was more than likely going to medal, could have very possibly won a gold medal in the 2020 games that never happened because of the global COVID pandemic. But he stole the spotlight on this show from the other prospects on the card. Looked fantastic in his pro debut. Every punch was shot straight, um, beautiful feints, set up his work nicely, great balance, uh, just beautiful, beautiful work. And uh, that is what you want to see in a pro debut from a prospect. I am excited to see more of Keyshawn Davis. Okay, guys, real quick fight preview. Let me jump here to uh, – yeah, Kevin Fuentes in the chat says, Diego Pacheco looks 
good for being only 19. Agreed. Completely agree. He looked fantastic in that fight. Um, but I want to see more feints. I want to see more feints. And let's see. Uh, Manuel Campos in the chat says, Good show, Mike. And nothing against I get your point. I would like to see all those fights too. But for the moment, it is what it is. I completely agree with you, brother. And that, that, that's my thing with the Canelo haters. Look, give it, give it time to all play out. Right now, you know what you're going to get. If he follows through, he unifies the super middleweight division in 2021, and then he goes forward to 2022 and fights some of the other names I mentioned, then we might be talking about one of the greatest fighters uh, of all time from Mexico. He's a little short of that right now. You know, He just doesn't have the names. You can only fight who they put in front of you, but when you're promoting yourself, as Canelo is, you control your own destiny, and he can get in there against those names. But for right now, 2021, go ahead and unify 168. Make history. Do your own thing. No no Mexican fighters done that. I get it. Then after that, let's see you against some of those other names. All right, fight preview. Thursday, March 4th from Puerto Rico, NBC Sports Network, Sergei Bohacek, who I just uh, did an interview with about a week or so ago on my channel, Montero Unboxing. Look for that. Going up against Brandon Adams in a middleweight 10-round fight. I will be covering this event for ringtv.com, so look for my recap my report there Thursday night. That should be a fun show. Uh, I like Sergei Bohacek. I think he's got potential. Friday, March 5th, on the Flint, Michigan, Clarissa Shields, an all-female pay-per-view card. If you want to watch this, good for you. Am I going to watch it? No. I just have zero interest. None of the fights intrigue me. There's no. There's just no top elite-level opponent for Clarissa Shields to fight. This certainly does not belong on pay-per-view. I get the the angle, all female fights, all female commentators. I get all that. I just feel it's starting it's starting to get dip into the political realm a little bit with that. Let's drop the political agenda. If we're promoting women's boxing and that's the agenda, cool. Let's do that. But you know, some of the some of the other stuff is starting to delve into the political agenda, you know, sphere and I try to stay away from that. But that show just doesn't interest me. It's nothing against Clarissa, but I think she's going to learn very, very quickly here uh, about supply and demand. You know, there's just, there's a small little pocket. There's a little cult of Clarissa Shields fans that will buy this. And then I feel that there's a lot of people out there that are going to buy this pay-per-view for political reasons, you know, uh, to, to make a point, to stick it to the man, you know what I'm saying? Literally the man, because it's an all-female card. That's just the way it feels to me. But uh, anyway, Captain Hill Chronica says, D, Gary, not bad at all. I guess, but who should, who should be? Who should be? I don't know anything about her. We'll find out if she has anything to her this Friday, I guess. That's, guys, there is nothing else this weekend, man. Schedule's dead, but guess what? Later on in the month, it's loaded. We got some good stuff coming on later in March. So I'm excited. Anyway, I'll see you at the fights. Have a good one, everybody.